Hello, dear sister in Christ. My name is Pat Domang. I'm founder of On Fire Ministries. And at On Fire Ministries, our mission is to ignite a passion for Christ in the heart of women and to inspire them to apply God's word to their everyday life because I believe that God's word really does work. So today I want to invite you to join me as I walk through Acts 8 and look at Philip, the apostle performing miracles filled with the Holy Spirit. So Philip the Apostle, just how many times have we really discussed Philip in our Christian conversations or even heard sermons focused on Philip and his role with Jesus? Now, personally, I think Philip has gotten minimal attention. Peter and John, on the other hand, they seem to get most of our attention when talking about the disciples who walked with Jesus, who talked with them in the flesh and with good reason. Peter was the little rock on which the rock, the chief cornerstone, Jesus would build his church. Peter got a lot of attention in the gospels as did John. Um, we know John is that beloved disciple. Peter wrote two letters, first and second Peter, and then John received the revelation of Jesus Christ and he wrote one gospel and three letters as well. So it makes a lot of sense that Peter and John are on top of our radar as far as apostles go. The two disciples following closely uh, behind them as far as attention, I think would be James and Thomas. Now, James just seemed to be everywhere that uh, Peter and John were. And then Thomas, we all know Thomas because of um, because of the doubting. Remember, he was the the doubter, doubting Thomas. Um, we remember his need to touch the tangible wounds of Jesus to believe that Jesus was really raised from the dead, even when Jesus stood right there before him. And, um, you know, just going back to talking about reading the book of Acts. Acts, I've been reading through the book of Acts for a couple of weeks now. And when I came to Acts 8, where Saul had persecuted the church, Philip came powerfully on the scene. I was pretty sure that Philip was an apostle, but I wasn't 100% sure. So it came to my mind that I never seemed to remember who those apostles all were. So I decided once and for all, I'm going to write their names down so I can remember their names. So these are the names of the apostles um, post the resurrection, post Jesus resurrection. So the 12 apostles were Peter, Andrew, James, John, James's brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite. And these are all listed in Matthew 10 verses two through four. Now, Matthias replaced Judas and that's recorded in Acts 1, 26. Now, that's just a little bit of Bible study information that you may find helpful or don't find helpful. But it was just one of those moments that I'm like, I have got to figure out who these guys really are once and for all. So um, the first three verses of Acts 8 discuss the persecution of the church linked to Saul. And the very next, the next 37 verses, 
focus on Philip and how God used him mightily in that day and time. So once I knew for sure that Philip definitely was an apostle, I went back to investigate Philip's life and his story even a little bit more. So with that, what we're going to see in Acts 8 is so much about Philip is him being filled with the Holy Spirit and God doing great things through him being filled with the Holy Spirit. So with that, just talking about the Holy Spirit, I wanted to just share with you a little bit about my own childhood, being raised as a child and a teenager in church and in the denomination that I was raised in. Um, they did not really ever speak of the Holy Spirit. So it's just no wonder that uh, there appeared to be little life and passion and freedom in the church building on Sunday mornings. Even more so, no wonder that the church went through a very ugly church split when I was 15 years old. So now, one of my biggest prayers for myself is based on Jesus' words in John 4, 23, where he said, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Now, personally, I want nothing more than to be a true worshiper who worships the Father in spirit and truth. And I believe the conjunction in that phrase is equally important as the spirit and as truth. True worship only happens when both are present. Not spirit only, not truth only, spirit and truth. The apostle Philip demonstrated the fact that he was a true mess, a true worship worshiper in Acts 8 when the Holy Spirit anointed his message of truth and multitudes heeded his words in Philip also performed miracles. He cast out demons. He healed and uh, the paralyzed and the lame. Uh, and that's all in Acts 8, 6 through 8. <clears throat> Excuse me. So before we go any further into the Holy Spirit and truth working mightily in Philip's life, let's just look at the background story that led up to Acts 8 for Philip. So Philip in the Gospels, let's look at that first. Philip the Apostle's story began in John 1:43 when it says that Jesus found Philip and said to him, follow me. So immediately Philip found Nathaniel. So Jesus finds Philip and then Philip heads out and he finds Nathaniel and he tells uh tells Nathaniel that he has found the one that he believes is the Messiah. And so Nathaniel, just so you'll know, this is, uh, this is a little FYI, kind of a little extra information there. I had listed the um, 12 apostles and Bartholomew was listed in there, but Nathaniel wasn't. But what it is believed is that Nathaniel and Bartholomew are the same person. So he, Nathaniel would have been one of the disciples, but as I had it listed, his name would have been Bartholomew. So according to John 1, Philip, Andrew, and Peter were all from the town of Bethsaida. Now that's, once again, this is just some background information that Philip, Andrew, and Peter all came from the same town. Now, one thing I did remember from the gospels was Philip's 
a conversation with Jesus regarding feeding the 5,000. In John 6, 5, Jesus asked Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And Philip replied how impossible of a task that he was talking about. And he said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. So 200 denarii equated to over a half of a year's wages. Some people say two thirds of a year's worth of wages. And that would have brought, bought only a minimal amount of food for each person. So definitely not a full meal deal in in that. So he's just showing the impossibility of that. That is Philip speaking there. Now, we know how that story ended. Jesus fed the 5,000 with a young boy's lunch of five barley loaves, two small fish. And it says, the scripture says, until they were filled. And the disciples then still gathered 12 baskets filled with fragments of barley loaves. And, um, and so we know that Philip witnessed a miracle right there. Now in John 12, 20, it says that Greeks from Bethsaida, where he was from, came to Philip and asked him to see Jesus. And what Philip did with that was he went straight to his friend, Andrew, who was also from Bethsaida and told him and they together went and told Jesus. This is just historical background. This is all I'm giving you right here. Now, in John 14, 8 through 9, Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and that will be sufficient for us. So Jesus told him that he had seen the Father by knowing and seeing him. Now, while Philip isn't personally named in any other gospel stories, I just gave you every single bit of it. But what we can know is that he did witness multitudes of other miracles and heard things spoken out of Jesus' mouth, things done at the hands of, by the hands of Jesus. So we know that more goes into his story than what we see on the page, but that is the, the all of what is shown to us in the Gospels. I just want you to have this because it simply just lays out a background for what we're going to see happen through Philip in Acts 8. So in Acts 8, 4 through 8, and we're going to walk straight through Acts 8. In the Gospels, uh, in the Gospel recording of Philip, he really wasn't that impressive of a guy. But in Acts 8, once Philip is filled with the Holy Spirit, he is over the top impressive. Some Christians even whole denominations speak of being filled with the Holy Spirit as being evidenced by speaking in tongues. And I am absolutely sure Philip spoke in tongues when the Holy Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost and maybe beyond that as well. However, in Acts 8, the evidence of Philip being filled with the Spirit doesn't appear to wholly rest on speaking in tongues. And I, I will tell you, I say holy because he preached to the multitudes in the city of Samaria and they heeded the things spoken by Philip. So one of my past interim pastors, a, a professor of hermeneutics and a friend, um, he's a retired professor of hermeneutics and a friend, believes that the disciples being filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 and the multitudes hearing in their own languages really was a miracle 
at the ear. And that makes so much sense to me when we read Acts 2, 6. Acts 2, 6 says, And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. So my point is not to debate speaking in tongues as evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Instead, the point is to see the same thing very well could have happened on the day that Peter, that Philip preached uh, to the multitudes. Philip performed miracles. He cast out unclean spirits from the possessed and he healed the paralyzed and the lame, all filled with the Holy Spirit. That was all evidence. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love what the very next verse tells us after he had done these things in Acts 8, 8, it says, and there was great joy in that city. And it's just so much um, the result of the Holy Spirit working in and through someone and, and seeing people's lives change. This was a whole city that was changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that was working in and through Philip. And there was great joy in that city that day. So Acts 8, 9 through 25, the next thing in the city that day, was a sorcerer named Simon, and he was highly impressed with the power of the Holy Spirit that he saw demonstrated that day. And so Simon determined that he wanted that same power that was displayed in Philip. He wanted that. He wanted what Philip had. Now, Acts 8, 13 says, then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So what I want you just to notice is that Simon believed, but what Simon was looking at and focused on was the belief in the miracles, in the signs, in the wonders that were happening in front of his eyes. That all sounds really good and, and well, but until we see that Simon's true heart and motivation was not right. It was not pure. Simon never appeared to show need or even repentance towards the Lord, but only a desire for power. And so much so that in Acts 8, 18, he offered the apostles money to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter rebuked Simon saying that he was poisoned by bitterness, and he was bound by iniquity. And so it's just that point of water baptism did not save Simon, and neither will it you and I. The Holy Spirit knew the heart of Simon, and without the Holy Spirit, we will not be saved. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So one more thing I noticed about Simon's story, and then I'll go back to Philip, is that when Peter called Simon out and he told him to repent because his heart was so filled with wickedness, filled with wickedness. Listen to that. Not filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with wickedness. We are not going to be filled with wickedness and the Holy Spirit at the same time. Not going to happen. Simon still did not repent. He still took no responsibility for himself, but instead 
He told Peter to pray for him that none of the judgment that he spoke of would come upon him. This man did not want Jesus or salvation, only power. Now, next story, Acts 8, 26 through 40. After Philip returned to Jerusalem, an angel of the Lord instructed him to go to a road from Jerusalem to Gaza and then told him uh, to overtake the chariot. So Philip ran fast enough to catch up with a chariot. I don't know how fast that is, but I'm like a horse can run faster than a human. So for me, I'm thinking surely he must have been pretty quick on his feet filled with the spirit, right? So the Ethiopian eunuch who is riding in that chariot is uh, the eunuch to the queen of Ethiopia. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah and he, Philip comes up on him and he says, you basically is asking him, do you understand what you're reading? And, and the eunuch says, man, how can I? I mean, I have no way of understanding this unless someone explains it to me. So Philip did that. He explained the scripture to him. And then the eunuch wanted to be baptized. So Philip said to him in Acts 8, 37, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And then the eunuch answered him and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Now, Philip baptized the eunuch and the instant that he came up from the water, the Holy Spirit took Philip away and he was preaching at, he was found preaching at Azotus, Azotus. My Bible commentary calls this a miraculous transportation. And I'm like, you think? Absolutely. That is so incredible. The things that God did through Philip's life. You know, I just really got stuck on Philip's life. In many ways, I see myself like Philip in the Gospels, just an ordinary guy, an ordinary girl, seeing things through an ordinary lens, but still following Jesus, reading the miraculous way that God used Philip once he was filled with the Holy Spirit made me look at my own life. It made me look at the church today in general and wonder what happened. You know, aren't we supposed to do supernatural things in Jesus' name where lives are touched and changed and brought into the kingdom? And listen, I absolutely do realize the church, the body of Christ is doing that in many ways. So I'm not saying that is not happening at all. I'm just saying I also see apathy. I also see a lack of passion and just plain okayness okay with how we are, okay with how the church is, okay with doing life with minimal power of the Holy Spirit. And I will tell you, I am just not okay with that. I don't know what that means or looks like for me, but I am praying Jesus rid me of myself so that I can be filled with the Holy Spirit, operating out of the power of the Holy Spirit and making a difference in this world for his kingdom purposes. Now, every time I read the book of Acts, it stirs me up. 
and it stirs me up just like this. It makes me so aware that there is always more to living in the power of the Holy Spirit than I have experienced so far. There is more of Jesus. There's more to do. There's more to know. There's more to experience, and there's more of a difference to make. And I never want to settle for less than Jesus offered and intended. And I am sure that you don't want to either. So here's my encouragement for you today. Let's be the ones to start a fresh pursuit of Jesus and his Holy Spirit working in our lives once again, not negating what he's done in the past but looking forward to future works. Let's remember that the Holy Spirit who fills us is the same Holy Spirit who filled men and women in the early church and set the world on fire for God's glory. Oh Lord, do it again and do it in me and do it in this beautiful child of God listening to this today. Now, before I say goodbye, I do want to invite you to join me on your favorite social media platform, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, to get daily biblical encouragement for Christian women. Also, check out my onfire-ministries.org website to read my blog, uh, to get free biblical resources listen to the podcast, uh, get a Bible study for yourself or even for a group study. And if you found this podcast beneficial, please take a moment to rate, review and share this podcast because it helps others to find the podcast. And maybe it is the very words that someone else needs to be encouraged in their faith journey today. And until we meet again, have a blessed and beautiful day.